Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. This is Chun Jay, your host from Royal Ruckus, also known as Jamie Bennett. Hey, so I'm here today. I'm really excited about this guest we're bringing to you. He's actually a legend in certain circles uh, of underground hip-hop, non-mainstream hip-hop. He's best known, really, uh, as an affiliate of Deep Space Five and of the Tunnel Rats. His name is Sev Static. He's also got a couple crews. He's going to talk about that today. The thing with uh, Deep Space Five and Tunnel Rats is I knew them from my days in the so-called Christian rap world. Now, the Christian rap world of the late 90s and early 2000s, where Royal Ruckus was birthed, uh, we, there were a lot of things going on. A lot of, a lot of real talent was coming into the industry. A lot of really, really uh, powerful MCs, some great DJs. Uh, there was a, it was just a huge movement, and it was during a time when hip hop, in general, I think was was starting to flounder. It was, um, I don't know, the music was just getting bad. We we still have a similar problem, so it appears to be a problem that comes up again and again in hip hop. But in the Christian world, um, there were a lot of some of like the best MCs were coming out uh, spitting Christian rhymes. Um, at least that's my take on it. Now, now we kind of came from a different perspective. Royal Ruckus was coming out. Uh, we were three youth group kids when we started. And so we definitely understood the Christian subculture and were part of it. Uh, we, we always struggled to figure out our place in it, though. Um, but we were self-consciously Christians. Um on day one, you know, and and so we kind of wrestled with what does it mean to be a Christian who raps? What is the responsibility? There was a little while there that we called ourselves like a ministry. Um, and then there were there was a period where uh, we set the exact opposite. Now, one thing you can actually find through our music is it's infused with Jesus Christ in some way. Right. Not every song like the waitress song. Uh, there's no explicit references to Jesus in that song or anything like that. And that's pretty typical of us. We, we write songs about all of life. And as a committed Christian, for me, all of life not only includes Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is over all of life for me. When I fail to live up to that, which is quite frequent, uh, that's the source of where I'm, where I'm convicted. That's the source of where I realize I have somewhere to grow. And, and some need uh, to change. Now, when I started this podcast, I started this podcast because a lot of the rap guys that I knew that were committed Christians and were, were coming out with records even before me or uh, at the same time as me, a few of them after, uh, I've stayed in touch with many of them over the years. Um, you know, what we did was lighthearted and fun, so it wasn't always like we weren't always on the hardcore rap tours. We weren't always playing with the dope MCs. A lot of times we were playing with rock groups and things like that. Uh, we, we were very youth friendly, we're very clean. We weren't battling rappers. Um, you know, I mean, we had some battle rap lines here and there, but I, I don't know if you're allowed to be a rapper if you don't have those. So from my perspective, uh, you know, we were wrestling with some things on how to relate our faith and our music. And we saw a lot of that going on with, with our friends in the industry. Now, today's guest is Sev Static. I didn't know Sev. Uh, I don't have a history with Sev. I mean, it's possible we were at the same show at some point. It's possible our paths cross and we don't really remember. Uh, it's more like he's one of those cats that was in my extended circle. 
uh, like some of the guest rappers and, and uh, other artists that I've worked with um, in the last few years even, uh, have collaborated with him many times. And so they've got a relationship and a friendship. And one of the reasons I created this show was to see where my Christian friends who were rappers are in their faith today. We, we haven't all kept the faith. Not everybody has remained a Christian. Uh, now, this was an interesting and surprising conversation for me with Sev. Um, I wasn't prepared for his faith story to be exactly what it was. Now, I knew there were some connections to Freemasonry. There's some rap lines on some of the songs where there's a mention of the 5%. A lot of actually like really interesting kind of charged stuff uh, comes out in this interview. Well, I guess I just need to let the man speak for himself. Appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Bruised Beards and Shipwrecks. So now without delaying any further, I want to let you in on this conversation that we had with one of the dopest rappers I've ever had the pleasure of having on this show, Sev Static. Here it is. Got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my beers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew Doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet we're gonna put it in check You're listening to brews, beards and shipwrecks One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Welcome to another episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. I'm here today, uh, oh, I didn't even introduce myself. What am I even doing? My goodness, this is Jamie Bennett, uh, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Nomadic Vagabond. How you doing, homie? I'm doing good, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm 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 West Coast, so it's only like six something out here, right? Bright, bright, you know. I don't know, I'm 55, 60 degrees, sunshine. Yeah. It's good, yeah. man. Can't beat it. Nah, yeah, man. That's, yeah. that's not bad at all. Um, Hey, we got a we got a special guest today. I think we should go right to him, though. Yeah. Uh, tell us who you are, man. Word. Uh, first of all, peace, fellas. Good hey. to see you guys tonight, man. So good and, to have you on here. Yeah, I'm I'm on the East Coast. I see you guys got a little bubbly with you, but um, I'm just going with the H two O. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Keep it clean. A little something. something. Yeah, then, yeah we got some good weather over here too. We're like sixty degrees, fifty five today, man. So I'm wow. thankful. I can't stand winter. I'm allergic to snow. I don't get yeah. along with snow. I mean, but I'm here. You know, I East Coast cats always complain about snow, and uh, <laughs> this is what we get. This, this is the weather that we get. So, but I'm just glad we're in the spring. Believe that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is the legendary one and only Seb Static. Oh. Um. Now you, Mr. Static. Uh, can I call you Mr. Static? You just call me Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're you're from like Albany, right? Albany, yeah, Albany, New York. That's where I am. Yeah. All right. So that's got to be pretty man. cold, like a good part of the year. Yeah. Oh well, you know, like I said, winter is always 
you know, horrible, but I can deal with cold. I just, you know, the snow is where the challenge is because, yeah. you know, when people start driving, you know, oh, right. and snow blowing all this, but, you know, we're used to it, but, you know, we still sure. complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Complain that, about it, so. That's how we are in Oregon with rain. <laughs> yeah. used to it, but we yeah, complain yeah. about it, man. Yeah. But you guys will get no snow though, right? Uh, I mean, it w- barely, but when we do like this year, like when we got it, we got it. It was like, we got sheets of snow. It was like four inches frozen for like four yeah. days. It was, yeah. it was wild, wow. but you know, I mean, it, it, then it's like two days later, it's like nothing happened. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we really do get those, uh, those four seasons there. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, but spring is like a blink of an eye. It goes from like winter to spring, then goes right into summer. Wow. Uh, and 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 fall fall is kind of the same way man once uh summer is over like summer for us is like spring summer fall then it just hits winter and it's like a punch in the face <laughs> so. well well now that that leads me to my question uh if it's like getting punched in the face what does your beard do for you nothing does it I help mean, man listen to me I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I believe i believe it's a myth that the uh the beard helps you it, it insulates you. It keeps you warm. Uh, I mean, because I've had really low beards. Like, this is low for me. I see yeah. you guys are like, you guys are blinging with the beards right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, of all the gray, bro. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. I got my little patch right here. You a little something, something in here. So, you know, all that wisdom you got there. So, but when I bring it in, I let, I let my neck come in. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? Right. So, kind of like, uh, it's nice and girthy but uh, every time when i bring it nice and uh low to the face i don't really think it's any warmer you know what i mean plus we wear (laughs) scarves and all that all year you know what i mean in the winter so i don't let my beard protect my face on my on my neck when it's cold out i I definitely wear some uh some clothing but you 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 also protect your beard then apparently i don't know what does that mean (laughs) i wash i wash every day of course Okay. But yes, protecting my beard from like the cold, harsh weather that wants to destroy my beard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, like, I'm saying, you guys look like you guys cater to it, though. <laughs> Jamie, especially you, Jamie, you got the you got the straightening thing going. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I, you clean the pull more rugged with it, but uh, I, I like when my broad, stuff man. came in. That's what's up. Yeah. When my stuff came in, I gotta <laughs> tell you. Bro, by accident, my beard just came in lovely. It was like King Solomon, bro. Wow. Nice and wavy. That's um, beautiful. And 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 it's like I see all these uh, beard products coming out, and and I love it the way that the way that this whole culture's been uh, monetized, and and guys are coming in and making businesses off of this, whether it sure. be from gels to like lotions and oils. Yeah. It's cool. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a whole new culture, but I've never used any of that stuff. None I've always it. just like, no, nothing, uh, nothing. I just use like, of course I put like, you know, cocoa butter in my beard cause I'm putting it on uh, my head. You know what I'm saying? I'm shaving my head, my face always got lotion on me, but put it in my beard, but nothing like special, man. I, I don't know. Does it, are you using it? Is it working? Yeah. So I've, I've used uh, beard oil for a few years. And in fact, I even had a Royal Ruckus uh, beard oil that I would sell at shows when I was pretty actively performing a few years ago. Um, you made or no? Say that again. Something that you made or you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like I just kind of figured out what what products I liked and I kind of looked at what they had in common. And then I don't know, just kind of 
yeah. ordered some of those and started tinkering with different essential oils and uh, different ratios until I found the beard oil that I liked. Um, the problem is to get it cost effective, you have to order so much, right? And if mm-hmm. I had, uh, if I had a market, like when I was touring, it made sense to have it. Um, yeah. now that I'm not touring, I don't sell as much online and, you know, I had some bottles, I'm checking them, I, you know, they start going rancid. Uh-oh. Uh, you, you want it fresh, you want it clean, you know? So, yeah, sure. so what I, what I've really been doing lately for the beard oils, I just go down to Marshall's, uh, or like Ross. And you go to the men's section and you get a good price on some random, you know, small company uh, that managed to get their foot in the in, in the door somewhere. And that's what I use. And I've found some pretty good beard oils that way. Yeah. And then I also have been using, and I may have said this on a previous episode, um, that uh, I start, started using the olive oil lotion um, that you get from the hair care section of like Walmart or any other store. Uh, it's usually, it's for like the African type hair you know and, is it palmers uh, yeah I, mean, I think it is palmers i think that's the brand uh but that works pretty well and i i put it first in my beard and then i put it in my hair like before okay. i go to sleep i don't wear it like yeah. i don't wear the lotion during the day though yeah. well it does make sense that like grease and oil uh assist yeah. with beard growing because hair follicles they thrive off of like they eat off of grease and stuff like that so it's, yeah yeah kind of natural but i do appreciate the uh the culture of uh you know rocking beards and guys coming in and taking care of themselves and taking pride in, in their beard man because it, it makes it it makes it a part of themselves and it also shows like a next level of like maturity sure. i mean some guys can grow some guys can grow beards uh you know we all grow beards by accident but right. we actually you know, <laughs> yeah when you're actually making a statement with it it becomes part of you and also um, it become you become part of a culture, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. unwillingly, unwillingly almost. But yeah. um, so I've seen many uh, uh, men with beards, and I'm like, man, that is a luxurious, handsome beard. Right. And I'm looking at, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, this is this is, and it, it's just a whole another level of uh, connecting with with brothers. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and, connect, and connecting with uh, other men. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just being able to converse with each other and. Uh, toxic masculinity comes into play and all this other stuff, man. Ego yeah. comes into play. And these things definitely break down those barriers so men could actually talk to each other. And one of those things could be tattoos. Yeah. It could right. be piercings. It could be, you know, I've had guys with bald heads come up to me and say, yeah. man, that's a, that's, a, that's a nice bald head you got. Yeah. I'm like, that's <laughs> yeah, I mean, for real. So it's, you know, I've been in airports before um, you know, many times and I see you know, people involved with uh, hip hop culture, and yeah. one of the, one of those identifiers uh, could be just rocking like a t shirt with a with an underground logo on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Or right. you know, and like the beard is also another signifier yeah. of a certain certain culture, and it does come with a with somewhat of an attitude or statement that you're making. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean, and this yeah. is one of those ways that I see that brothers are connecting with each other. So to actually see it be perpetuated through like commerce and stuff where guys are taking care of their beards and, you know, I'm saying you guys added the glasses and all that. And you guys probably don't even need those glasses. Oh, I, I need mine, bro. I'm half the time. I kid you not, bro. I got, I got bifocals too. So. Okay. Okay. So some guys learn to be ironic, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. so, I definitely have before, but as an adult, uh, I think that was my teenage years. And then as an adult, I realized I actually did need glasses. 
So I went legit. <laughs> yeah, actually, bro, like for real, I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be 50 this year, and it's like Word. I have. I've had no issues like whatsoever, except like in this past year, looking yeah. at my cell phone, like when I'm looking at it up close or I'm on social media for something or send an email or yeah. uh, text, I'm looking at my phone for like 20 minutes in a, uh, in a day, in an hour. Next thing you know, I'm like, my eyes are like kind of like straining a little bit. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm hoping I don't need to go to go get glasses, maybe some reading glasses, but yeah. Hey bro, but you made it to almost 50 without having to get glasses. Right. So, I mean, yeah. good on you, yeah. man. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you my experience with getting them. Like I totally thought I'm only going to wear these. Of course, I, my my difficulty is seeing things far away rather than up close. So I'll I'll usually take mine off to read. But um, but like I thought I'll never wear glasses except when like I'm driving. And then mm-hmm. I realized how nice it was to be able to see right. And I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to look. Yeah. And then I never wanted to take my glasses off except to sleep or read, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, bro, people take advantage. They, 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 they take their vision for, for granted. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, I've seen videos, man, where you have uh, people who are colorblind mm-hmm. or, or I, don't, I don't know what they actually see, but they're colorblind. I guess they don't see what you and I would see. And, um, and they wear these types of glasses where everything comes into full full color it's not dull or it's not a different color and when i look at this stuff i'm like excited for these people so i i think on it i'm like dang i'm like i really do take everything i have my physical ability my vision right you know being able to do and be me and uh we definitely take it for granted so but when i watch those videos bro and if i share something I always type in, I'm not crying, you're crying. You know what I mean? Because like, you see these people, grown men, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, uh, and, and I love seeing kids get their vision for something, man, or the, yeah. uh, all the blind. And I'm seeing this, I'm like, man, it definitely hits me. So I'm just grateful to be, you know what I'm saying, like where I'm at. But then again, technology does give us like contacts and you know stuff like that. So we don't have to like look cool and with glasses and all that, but. I mean, yeah. Come on no. now, how much? How much time did you spend picking those glasses out, Jamie? Um, you, you know, come I'm on. not sure. It did, it did take me a while to to get to the general style, though. <laughs> You're like, what ones fit my face, Harry yeah. Potter, or am I gonna go with the? Yeah, well, yeah. Once I landed on like the thick frame <laughs> kind of Ray Bans look, it makes yeah. it a lot easier because now there's a smaller set yeah. of data to look at. Yeah. I got to tell you, bro, one day if I need glasses, bro, I'm going to get me prescription on um, Cassell's. They're, oh. they're, they're like old throwback. Uh, uh, word, word. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like back in the day, cats used to wear them all the time. And um, yeah, you know, we yeah. wore them just to yeah, like be cool back in the day. And I really wish I kept those old Cassell's, man, because right. I had I only had about two or three pairs. And um, yeah. but they still have them. Right. Cats are still yeah. rocking them, and they yeah. they they come. You can get them prescription and all that. But if I ever need them, I'm going to get me a pair of those. Yeah, because I don't wear anything unless it's like if it's for fashion. I really don't wear it like that. If it's extra, I don't wear. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a necklace or mm-hmm. whatever earrings, rings, or but you know I wear hoodies for fashion. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and t-shirts with your name on it. That's about it. Right. <laughs> Put your name on it, man. Hmm. That's right. So, so tell me a little bit about your life, man. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything specific? I mean, I work at uh, the Waterbleed Arsenal, and um, well, it's in Waterbleed, 
Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a DOD facility. We make uh, cannons and mortars. Wow. Um, yeah, I've been there for almost 20 years now. And um, um, before that, I was doing clinician work at a couple of group homes that were uh, secure and non-secure facilities. Okay. Uh, but that was back in um, uh, late uh, 90s, and I had to leave that job, those jobs, because uh, the, or at least that type of job. But that was my that was where my heart was because it was sure. young people, yeah. uh, getting getting them either out of the group, getting them either into group homes for uh, health reasons, protection reasons, safety, um, okay. uh, or also getting them out of the group homes into independent living programs or either back home with a guardian. But I started right. to have uh, um, kids, and kids are very expensive. My son was born sure. in two thousand two, and as soon as uh, uh, I knew I was going to have a third child. I'm like, I'm going to need more money. Right. So I was like, I can't really get a second job because I would never be home. And I stayed home during the day and I went to, I went, I went to work from uh, like three to 11 or four to midnight. Wow. And, but also I had to be in court twice a week for, for, for some of uh, the residents. So it was wow. definitely tough. So I had to find some really involved with them. 100%. Oh, one, yeah. I was definitely dad, mom all day. Uh, um, I was the guy, you know what I'm saying? I was home all day. My babies went to the park every day. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had one kid in the stroller. Then I had, then I had one kid walking on <laughs> next to the stroller, one kid in the stroller. And then I was carrying my son while I had my girls, uh, uh, walking with me going down to the park. I got to tell you, bro, we, we went to, uh, the library or the museum or to the park every day. We, we, we wow. rarely, we rarely stayed home. That's yeah. you know what I mean, we, 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 we were either in the backyard, if we were outside playing, walk, taking a walk, uh, rarely staying inside. But um, we always had a, always had a schedule of going out to like different libraries. We had a library yeah. tour, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, we went cool. to every library in the 518, um, always went to the museum. The museum was closed on Monday. So Monday was a specific day where we had to go to the library. Yeah. But yeah. Those are my babies. But it got really... Um, um, to really, to really build a family and do what you want to do, I made the decision um, to get another job, and then I started working for right. um, DOD. So okay. I was able to um, get a federal job, and I had to hop over there. So it was, sure. it was definitely a, a great decision. Um, but you know, it yeah. definitely, it's not my passion. Sure, right. So you were DAD working for the DOD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For, but That's now, Dad would say. 20 it's 2021 <laughs> it's 2021 and now my girls are in college my son um i just right. you know i i just saw him today and um he uh he's about to go to uh, a a trade school this year he's not really sure about college yet yeah. um he's applied to some he's got and he's he's definitely had some ideas but he doesn't know what he wants to do just yet um, he has an idea, but my yeah. girls were really focused. So they're both in college and they're all grown up. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. here I am. Yeah. I mean, I got a, like, I got a 15 and a 13 year old. So my son was born in 05. My daughter was 07. Um, I used to work at a cabinet shop and then 07, I started basically working at a grocery store, making a little less money, but the benefits were better. And now I'm making like twice as much. But yeah, mm. man, it's like, you know, in three years, my son's going to be 18. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's just, it's a whole different mentality. Like you're talking about, like, you know, having the kids in a stroller, like doing that. And now it's like, 
you know, they do for themselves, basically. You just, it's kind of, you just guide instead of like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you still teach, but you still kind of just like, kind of just guide them. You like the banks on the yeah. river, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I, I, bro, I love being, um, you know, they call it Mr. Mom, but it really is just, it's just being a dad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I, yeah I appreciate right. the Mr. I appreciate the Mr. Mom accolade uh, to an extent, but because um, that just means that you're taking care of your kids. And that yeah. does allude to men not taking care of their kids yep. and being a father, which I understand because uh, yeah. my father, I mean, I, he abandoned us at when I, when I was five and I seen him three, four times after that wow. over, over the years. Yeah. And, uh, but of course I had other mentors and other people in my family that picked up the slack, but my mother was, was the bomb. I mean, well, she is, she still is the bomb. That's and, awesome. Uh, you know, my grandmother definitely raised me. So, um, but being, but being a dad, man, it was just like, man, who wouldn't want to do this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the connections with my daughters, yo, I videotaped my kids every day, every day, literally when they were, when they were younger. And, um, I always had a, uh, a camera. I, be, I went through three video cameras. So I have three different, uh, sets of videotapes, um, probably a dozen a piece on videotapes, but, uh, um, so it's like th- I have different ways to view these things. I got to put the smaller one inside of a larger view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. I've looked at some companies to actually transfer the, this information to like yeah. more digital stuff. Yeah. Of course, it's, uh, you know, super expensive. So I keep telling myself I'm going to go back through it all and figure out what's the best tapes. And I'm going to digitize all yeah. these one day. Yeah. But, I've but got like uh, a. Yeah, got- got- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say I got like audio cassettes that like I gave my kids like my like tape recorder of yeah. them just like recording themselves like singing and stuff like that. And so I'm like, yeah. I'm kinda I'm gonna like digitize that and just be like, yo, you know, and I started even like doing like a journal for my son, just yeah. like, you know, random moments we shared and then kind of just like, mm-hmm. you know, words of what little wisdom I have. So like when he's 18, I'm like, yo, here, like, you know what I'm saying? Just like That's a little awesome. snapshot of what we had, you know what I mean? Bro, I got old uh you know, Father's Day cards, birthday cards, yeah, uh, things that they made in school. You know, what I'm saying to like, you know, mom and dad or something like that. Yeah, and I love finding that stuff, and I, I love forgetting about it and then yeah. finding it right. one day. Yeah, in the back of the sock drawer or something like that. Yeah, like I, you know, I I recently moved to another office, um, in the facility I'm in now, and uh, we 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 have a new uh, system there, and we we do this thing. It's called cells. And there's different, there's individuals that have specific jobs and we all moved from one building to another and moving, bro. Cause I was in this one office for like, I don't know, 15 years and I moved to a new office and, um, just found all this old stuff that my kids had, uh, had given me that I brought to work that were like in these drawers and on these like little, little shelves I had. And I'm like, wow, I totally forgot I had this stuff. That's awesome. So when, when, when I see it, I'm like just super nostalgic and I'm like, just bring me back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, if, if we ever get that, uh, legacy box sponsorship or something, you know, we'll have <laughs> to see if we can throw you a discount. Cause I'm down. I'm, I'm here for the discounts. You know, <laughs> it's a quality service, but uh, no, they actually haven't offered okay. to sponsor us. But, um, but really? no, dude, th- that stuff is real, though. I mean, you should, you should definitely. I think if you took the time to make it, you got to preserve it. You know, and like I'm sick about some stuff. I I had some home videos and stuff that I gathered from my parents 
before I moved. Uh, like when we were we were getting our record deal and moving to Nashville, we were like college kids. And, um, and I made these like sentimental videos for my mom. And I even they were even digitally made. And I don't know where the freaking files are. And, you know, like, but now it's like everything's in the cloud. So if I can ever locate that file, you know, like I will put it in the cloud. It will be saved forever. <laughs> Bro, I'm, I don't even know what's in my cloud. I mean, I don't even know how to access the cloud. I got so much in the cloud. It's like, how do I even get there? It should be in a, should be like some type of link, right? I have no yeah. idea. I got a bunch of videos and I got right. other MacBooks. With a I, I just get, yeah. But yeah, I got some old, I got some yeah, old I, videos of my kid from my phone and all that, yeah. you know, cause it would just transfer right to my, um, my, uh, my MacBook uh, back in the day, all my video, all my pictures would just go right to my MacBook automatically, automatically sync. Yeah. Anytime I would charge my phone or take something off my phone from my MacBook, it would automatically sync and snatch everything on it and put it on my MacBook. Nice. And I have a couple of MacBooks that I haven't even opened up. So. <laughs> but I love finding old pictures and stuff, man, of like me and my friends and everything. You know what I mean? Like old shows and stuff. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like, wow, I got fat. Like, holy goodness. <laughs> <laughs> or just seeing some of my friends who got fat or whatever. I'm like, right. did I get shorter? I'm like, wow, okay. I look no, pretty I, tall. I understand that too. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> well, it's those times like you don't like, you see yourself all the time, right? So you don't think that you get like, older or whatever until you look at a picture of yourself even five years ago yeah. like five years ago i'm like yeah, yeah. i don't remember like having like my eyes having like all those like <laughs> wrinkles next to them yeah. and like my beard wasn't that i was like damn right man, i'm like yeah, what I'm happens old. bro yeah it just happened you quick yeah <laughs> well i'm like <laughs> i tell people i'm like kids keep you young but at the same time like make you get older faster <laughs> right so I'm, I'm curious, uh, you, you know, you mentioned your, your dad uh, had been had very little role in your life, but you've been almost the exact opposite of that for your kids. Um, how much of a connection do you feel like there is there? Like, so was it was there a self-conscious like connection between what what your father didn't offer you that you wanted to give to your children or was it something else? Um, I think if, it, I think if I was being like conscious about doing what my father didn't do or being there because my father wasn't there, I think at some point I would fall off of that because that would be fake. I, I, I'm my opinion. If yeah. somebody else, if that works for somebody else, that's great. But yeah. what my father did, did not inspire me mm-hmm. or what my father didn't do, did, did not inspire me at all to do what I needed to do as a, as a dad. But I have to say, I have to give props to like the men and who are in my, who were in my life back in the day, who are my mentors. Uh, you know, my main mentor was a, a guy named Dom LeJudis. Um, and he passed away in 2010 or 2009. And that broke my heart. And when, when he passed away, cause he was definitely, and I was about 16, 17 when I met him okay. and because of him and his son, his son actually his his son mark uh we became best friends and he's the one who introduced me to uh start going to church and become part of youth group and stuff like that okay but he was a real dude he didn't he didn't necessarily, yeah. he didn't preach at all but he could definitely preach but uh um but a long story short on that like got brothers like him uh um and 
there's other positive uh, men in my life back then, but I definitely gravitated towards him. But yeah. growing up when I was younger, the crazy part was I saw my uncles and my uncle's friends and my uncle's friends were like family as well. I'd sure. see them do wild things. And my grandmother would be like, Joey, don't do that. You see that? That's, that's, that's dumb. Don't do that. Like that's not healthy. And I would learn from that. You know what I mean? People right. doing dumb stuff and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. You know, right. so I've learned from a lot of those aspects, but, but loving all my kids was like, it should be natural. And I look at my kids and I'm like, I love my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely. Never had to practice anything. Never had to think about what I need to do. I just did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, so <clears throat> now as I think about this though, I'm also thinking about you, you're working a job. You're raising kids, but were you doing music? You're probably doing music through a lot of your kids' childhood as well. Yeah, I was definitely doing music uh, when they were sleeping. Uh, <laughs> the crazy part is, you know, you learn along you learn along the way to uh, sleep when they sleep. Sure. Because I have to be to work by three thirty. I'm like, I'm gonna need a nap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something. Even though I was like super young at the time, I'm like, I still gotta get some sleep but yeah i was definitely doing um writing raps you know what i mean and being part yeah. of like you know what what was going on back then as far as like ton of rats and deep space five being started in 1996 i believe it was and you know and then my first kid was born in 97 so you know then in like 2000 right before my son was born i'm recording for uh um my first official full-length record under an alias student uh, and I had another album that I wrote, speak, my first Speak Life record that was uh, all over on the West Coast. And a lot of the files got jammed up at another studio um, that we had some issues with. But I was writing all this stuff right right before I recorded. Um, wow. You know, my job didn't afford me a lot of time to write. Um, but on the weekends, I wrote like a beast. You know, I had uh, local cats that we always wrote with. Um, my man JB, uh, we always write together. Dirty Moses um, back in the day, and we we wrote songs together, wrote wrote EPs together, recorded some homegrown stuff, man, and always just kept writing. But as the schedule does get busy, being a father, um, you got to find that time to write. So, sure. I, I, I didn't sleep really at all, bro. I just kept <laughs> moving. You know what I mean? Like, I I still feel like I'm 20. Like, there's no, I have no. I have very little energy loss. And when I was growing up, I thought yeah, I was invincible. Yeah. Well, I was you just... rap, you rap like it, bro. Seriously, I thought I was invincible. <laughs> um, well, so, so let me ask you this. I mean, first off, like I got a, your point man EP cassette, you know what I'm saying? Oh, and then, wow. You know, Classic. I got the student, the you know, as well. Okay, yeah. that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Also, also, uh, Clayton, you got you got to remind everybody uh, what yep. you're doing because only a small part so of. So I was holding up a cassette tape <laughs> for those. It's uh, his first EP. It. It's the point. Yeah. Man, this was actually it's like on a dubbed, hand dubbed cassette. Okay, like a handwritten. Um, that's and original, then right there. Holding up the uh, yeah. oh, snap, drop some stuff. But and that's holding up a CD too of his first, uh, the student um the the alias album he came out with before uh like the tonal rats and deep yeah. space stuff um That's so right. i was gonna yeah. ask you too so how did you end up getting down like with deep space and tonal rats i mean these were two i mean crews that came out like hit hit big at the same yeah. time and just all over the coast so yeah it hit yeah. both of them hit at the same time 
like I had already heard about uh, uh, TRs right. Right. and I was already a fan. And then I had met a man, child, and listener online um, back in the day um, on like either AOL group chats or uh, uh, hip hop zone. It was a big yeah, uh, gospel hip hop site. And yeah. And um, a lot of cats connected like that. And uh, me and man, child were talking, uh, me and listener were talking and back in the day, listener used to be called Chunkster when he was in ill when he was in uh, ill type. Um, what was it? Was it? No, that was no, no. Yeah. It was he was in Lab Click. My bad. Ill type was okay. boy. It was ill type. Yeah, it was ill type oh, and uh, listener. But listener was called Chunkster back then. Oh my bad. Yeah, Ill, yeah, yeah. Ill trip. But the crazy part is, um, there was a five one eight hip hop oh, okay. group called uh, Ill type uh, back in the day. So, okay. so yeah, it's so yeah. And that's definitely uh, evidence right there that I am getting old because I'm actually <laughs> mixing timelines and mixing groups and names. So um, I rebuked <laughs> that. So anyway, uh, um, but uh, uh, Manchild and Listener, we decided to get up and do some work together. And we put out we put out a, yeah. a piece of wax. Uh, of course, Manchild is, is uh, was uh, was uh, down with the pride with syntax, of course, and um, uh, high tech. And we put out a, a, a split yeah. 12 inch together and we just became uh, Deep Space Five. And actually, I think it was Manchild who came up with Deep Space Five. He said, yo, I'm just going to label the vinyl Deep Space Five records. So we just kept running with it. And, and we started like meeting up and getting together at like crewventions yeah. and stuff like that. And my first crewvention I went to down in Atlanta, I met with, uh, I got to meet some of the Tunnel Rat Cats. And they just asked me to be part of their crew, and and they brought me out to L.A. We started writing, and it was crazy. It was, I was blown away how fast like these guys were writing, and the styles that they were coming up with, and like sure. like the fantastic yeah. hooks, and the way that the 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 the, the, the just the yeah. the wordplay was just amazing. And it yeah. wasn't just the raps; it was like right. they were actually yeah. saying something in it. And it right. made sense. And I investigate everything I listen to yeah. as a fan because if, if I'm in, if if I'm into you as a fan, I'm going to invest my time. And I investigate raps, and I'm like, man, Soldier and blew yeah. me away. Future Shot blew me away. Yeah. LPG blew me away. And I'm like, how do yeah. I write like this? And <laughs> and they reminded me. They were like, yo, yeah. you're already writing like that. It's just that right. you see it differently from the other side. They're like, yo, we're fans of you. You're fans of us. We we appreciate you. We want you to be down with what we do. And right. back back then, like I wasn't taking mad flights over there, but the internet definitely made it possible for us to. Yeah. Yeah. To that's build a, a little bit that's what I was going to ask is how, how were you guys collaborating? Uh, you, you're obviously working with a, both of these groups for those who don't know, um, you know, both of these groups are groups that are made up of multiple rappers. Yeah. So it's yeah. like groups that form together, like combine and become like Voltron, you know? Um, So you've got people from different regions too. Um, And, you know, now everybody with a MacBook can record something, but that Mm -hmm. wasn't really the case in the early two thousands and stuff. So what were you guys doing? Mid nineties. This was mid, well, yeah, it was mid nineties, like 95, 96 when we started to like connect and we, like I said, we really had to meet up with each other to record. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, like um, I, I literally mailed an ADAT in like 99. Yeah. You, you had to, it looked like it, an ADAT is a thing you record, right? That's yeah. like a VHS tape size. Yeah. yeah. We had to mail that. 
It got damaged yeah. in the mail and ruined our ruined yeah. the song for us. <laughs> Bro, you take, you take chances like that, and uh, uh, the way we did uh, the Deep Space Five stuff for the first piece of wax that we did, um, you know, I, we had put out cassettes and wax before we were ever on yeah. CD. We right. were putting out independent wow. records before we actually signed any type of record deal or production deal. And um, awesome. um, anything I recorded for the uh, vinyl um, or guest appearances on other people's stuff, I would just record uh, at a local studio here in Albany, and I would send it either on a either on a dad tape, or I would or or I would yeah, burn yeah. it to CD, yeah. and they would take yeah. it from there. You know what I mean? But uh, every piece of work that we did, uh, we had to make sure that that was the final cut because once it, once we sent it out, that's yeah. what was being yeah. pressed, yeah. pretty much. But East Space Five, we actually recorded our. It wasn't like it was, I don't think it was ever officially released, but I, it might be on our Bandcamp page. Listener kind of runs that a little bit, but it's, it's, it was an EP that we did. I think I don't even know how many songs on it, bro. Oh, maybe yeah, like yeah. seven, eight songs. We recorded and we recorded it in a, in a in a hotel in Florida. Yeah, and we got together. I think it was like 97, 98, just having fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to look. Uh, I don't want to get too insider baseball on everybody here, but um, you know, before there was Bandcamp, there was MP3.com, and you guys had an MP3.com page, and so did we. And uh, I believe you guys put that record on MP3.com where you could order an on-demand CD of it. And I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I still have that. I don't have a lot of CDs. Yeah, but I find it. I'll send you a picture. Yeah, I have that. I have that somewhere. I don't know where it is, but. But I, what I, I a know, time, bro. know the era you're talking about totally. Yeah, underground MCs yeah. were really working back then, really being creative with how they uh, did their stuff and how, how we connected. Like right now, you know, people can collaborate just on Zoom and actually record in their own spot yeah. and have everything yeah. sent to one person yeah. right there live. Yeah. Well, and I, and you I know, crazy. But yeah, what a great well, effort. I was say, as underground MCs. But that's what know. I love about that era. It's because when you, when you, it's like, I was thinking about like the underground rise album. It seemed like everybody was at what the rat hole in the, in the studio. Like, so you get those, those vibes, you know I mean? It's cool. Like people doing back and forth, but like when you have like that one universal vibe, like that comes out on the record, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we all had to be out there for that. I mean, I got an opportunity to uh, bring one of my best friends out there. My man, Dez, uh, Dez, from um from Albany actually he's from Troy and uh but he came out with me to be on that record and I was so thankful that he was able to be on it because I've been sharing my experience with being part of Deep yeah. Space Five and Tunnel Rats yeah. with my friends here in Albany the five one eight and uh being part of these big super crews man it was uh, it was a great effort but for me to share it with my friends back ho- back home and because it was like two different worlds you know you got the five one eight hip hop scene. All my friends are hungry coming up. We're booking shows, working together, putting out music locally. I'm part of a group called All Bully here in Albany, part yeah. of another group called Understanding, and we're releasing stuff locally. Uh, but the more promoted stuff that's actually like catching fans uh, beyond the 518 is the Tunnel Rat stuff and Deep Space, Deep Space 5 stuff at that time. Yes. But, you know, things evolve and go well, Because that's what I was going to ask you. Was actually, it's like um, I found out actually about like uh, Sub Bomb and Records 
through you because like uh, it was the, the Sophie EP that you released. Yeah. And so, so then actually yeah. ended up becoming like part of their street team. Like they sent me a bunch of CDs and stuff. So I was handing them out like the local skate parks and stuff like that. Got some sub bomber right. shirts. I should have rocked it right now. But um, but I mean, it's just it was dope to see you like, you know, you you were still part of these crews, but you still always did you. You know what I'm saying? And you were always, I mean, like, I don't think there's sure. a record I can remember listening to from where you're not like, you know, 518 upstate Albany, New York. You know what I'm saying? And so. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I had an opportunity to shout it out on somebody else's record, I would because I know that there's a lot of people who would not hear where, where you're from. And I, back home, it was like, we have to represent where we're from. So people, so people know we've actually had people, we've actually had people move from where they're from uh and move to albany just for the hip-hop scene alone just to have the uh camaraderie <clears throat> not not so much because we had venues that were like um uh important or they were like uh big for exposure but we booked a lot of shows we created a a, a, a real vibrant hip-hop scene by booking shows in like hole-in-the-wall spots as people would call them but to me, they were home because it's like, this is where we all are. Let's make it ours. It ain't much, but let's make it ours. And that's what we did. Right. You know, I, I, I grew up in uh, Bakersfield, California, and we didn't have much of a scene, but we were close enough to L.A. that we'd get a lot of the stop off tours. And like in my own story, like with Christian hip hop, uh, I got to see SFC, Dynamic Twins, you know, some of these groups that were coming through the area. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that, that was, that was totally fresh. So when I started writing you know, we had to kind of create a scene though, but we were able to, because we'd have these groups, you know, in LA or whatever that could come up, uh, pretty affordably for, especially like with Christian gigs and stuff like that. We did a lot of that, uh, that was honestly in Bakersfield, that was a lot easier to get like steady gigs using the youth group circuit, so to speak. Um, yeah, but but really like that wasn't where we wanted to go, you know? And so yeah. I think, um, especially now that I've been part of an open mic community here and now that I live in South Florida, I think I mm -hmm. see the value of what you're talking about where artists are hungry and ready and collaborative and encouraging to one another. You end up creating mm -hmm. this community, um, that's bigger than your own crew, bigger than your own. It's uh, bigger than hip hop. Circle. Right. Yes, yeah, exactly. 100%. I was just talking to my man JB the other day. And um, um, when I was 12, I, I got to perform on the Palace Theater stage, uh, breakdancing with a couple of friends of mine. And, and the Palace Theater probably seats about 25, 3,000 people, 2,500, 3,000 people maybe. And it's a really nice venue, of course. Um, so a lot of shows come through there. A lot of big comedians. It probably it probably fits uh, seats more than what I just said, but um, it's a big place. And my man JB recently got to perform at the Palace Theater for a big fundraiser. It was virtual with nobody in the audience, but he still got to perform there. And he was like, "Man, it just hit me that I just performed at the Palace Theater." Right. You know what I mean? It was big, and because in the five one eight, like you know, those are that's the biggest venue we have. And right. when you hit that pinnacle, you're like, oh, okay, this is really dope, and this is why this is what hip hop has done for me. And mm -hmm. what hip hop has also uh, done for us is that we can't forget where we come from. We come from these small ciphers and schools outside in the neighborhood, uh, building a small hip hop scene 
connecting with local MCs and especially with DJs because without the DJs, I promise you, this scene in Albany would not exist. Right. And it wouldn't exist anywhere. I'll, I'll just make a general general right. statement, but without um without 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 the DJ yeah. being the backbone of hip hop, of course, it sounds like a very cliche thing to say, very generic, but it's the right. hardest truth. And if you represent your DJ, I promise you, you can build anything on that because the DJ mm. opens the doors yeah. for all the clubs. What? Sure. Um, maybe right. not the youth groups, but uh, you know, any venue you want to get in. Uh, to, to perform as an artist, as a human being, to express and reach yeah. everybody, all types of people. Um, you you, you want to be well, in I mean, spots. It's like and, back in uh, the day, it's like the, the, the MC would rap about the DJ. You know, like you talking about mm-hmm. your DJ. Yeah, 100%. 100%. This is why we have uh, family get-togethers, because when we get there, the first person we say hello to is our grandmother's and our grandfathers and our fathers and our mothers, the people who are the foundation of our family. And in the hip-hop family, you have to pay respect uh, to the DJ, 100%. Um, because without that, we would not have emceeing. We would not have all this other stuff as far as like being able to put it out there and be an entertainer. Of course, you're going to have battles and stuff like that, but DJs elevate elevate everything and specifically in black culture when we're able to share inside of this idea as the community there is nothing else that i want to be part of because this is the fast track to anything and everything that's going on in the world and this is where hip-hop has brought me i've got a t-shirt that says uh i nominated my dj for president and it's got eric b and rock him on there i wear it during uh, election years (laughs) yeah well, that was their first song that they put out, Eric B. for president. So yeah. uh, Eric yeah. B. is president, I believe. But it was, yeah. uh, and then the B side, I believe, was Check Out My Melody. Yeah. Back in like 86, yeah. when that came out, I believe, that changed my life. Like, I mean, of course, I knew about hip hop before that. But, you know, as far as like uh, hearing something that I resonated with, I'm like, wow, this is okay. Here we are. This is This is my... Was that one of the eye-opening songs for you? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was other artists that were coming out with stuff before that. You yeah. know what I mean, um, since like '79, we were hearing, we were hearing hip hop, and I was hearing hip hop and didn't, didn't even know it was called hip hop. Yeah. I was just mimicking and rhyming along what they were doing, and uh, but living hip hop culture, I didn't even know it had a name. Yeah, I just saw graffiti heads. I just saw break dance, and I just saw. Uh, you know, MCs and a lot of DJs because in Albany there's a block party on every other block, and yeah. when you see these live DJs um, doing stuff, it's like, man. Then, then I think back on it, bro, and I meet some of these DJs who I met when I was 11 years old and 12 years old. Uh, they were only 16 at the time, and I'm thinking right. they're grown yeah. men. Right. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> when I'm 11, I'm like, yeah, I'm. But I meet these dudes, and I'm like, you know, I ask, you know. I'm like, I'm like, dang, bro, how old are you? He's like, yo, yeah. I'm like, you know, at whatever point in my life when I meet them and I find out that they're only like five or six years older than me, I'm like, what fortitude to have to be that passionate about your art to actually exercise in front of all these people and put yeah. it out on the line and for yeah. people to call you dope yeah. or whack. Like, that's, the, that, 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 that's an octagon to be in and then still do it and yeah. share it with other people. I mean, yeah. these guys are warriors in, 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 my, in my view because they've actually not just 
made something for themselves. They've actually made a path for everybody else to walk, to walk into. Right. Without these guys trailblazing, we really wouldn't, wouldn't have much, you know, I'm a trailblazer to an extent. Um, and, and I don't know how much of a trailblazer I would be if I had to be the one guy to do it by myself first. Yeah. Think about that. It's like, we're walking down so many paths that are already open. Mm -hmm. We have opportunities because the people before us created opportunities that create other opportunities and exponentially, it just gets easier for us to participate. Imagine you, imagine you having to be the first one to do that in your area and nobody in the world knows how to monetize it. Nobody in the world knows how to brand it. They just see you doing something wild that they think is like a a flash in the pan. You know what I mean? Just build on what comes before. And look where yeah. we are. We're all here. Yeah. Like literally, we are all connected specifically. Yeah. Well, dude, because that's of like a like yeah. a, the the newest song that I'm on with uh, my man Yum Sire, um, a friend of mine that I've known since ninth grade. But like one of the lines I had was like, you know, I'm cool, I'm cool rolling dolo, but shine brightest with my team. You know, it's like, yo, know, I mm-hmm. like doing stuff by myself so I can express myself wholeheartedly. But it's like I like being with my team with my crew because you get um more creativity and it's like you bound it's just like for me it's like being married it's like dude like i could be a single dad doing x y and z but it's like being married and having like it's that you know together where it's like oh we're all in it together it just it's it's a it's a a better environment so to speak and there's more building you know what i'm saying it's like you don't have to pull all the way you've got everybody cheering you on you know yeah. um you know and it's it's funny because yeah. like, I, I sit there and think about like you know, your style and stuff like that, it kind of always reminded me of OC and, and and not exactly like, exactly like you guys rap the same, but it's more or less it's like, you're one of those dudes who um, kind of like OC, he wasn't one of those dudes who just like, oh, yo, like punchline, punchline. Oh my gosh. He said this, like flip my wig, but it's more or less it's like, yeah. I could listen to a whole album and keep wanting to listen to more because of all the, the, the gems or the jewels, so to speak, drop through that you know so yeah it's like you had some line there was there was and so this actually kind of brings me my next question too is it was on the uh the the album the back dust joint that you did with dj dust so you had a you had a line where you was talking about like um i think kind of being raised by your grandma and like she was a practicing irish catholic and then you was talking about like going to school reading the quran on the low um so i mean yeah. can you like kind of give us a little bit as far as like your 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 yeah, spiritual journey because like I, you know that's kind of what we do you know yeah well um i think the uh quran in english is a very unique mm-hmm. thing because the quran is not necessarily mm-hmm. supposed to be in english because they see that as like a a subversion of the quran of their of of of, of the word of god and they don't want to see it. And I guess uh, um, having an English version was uh, frowned upon. But sure. where I grew up, man, everybody was uh, Baptist. Everybody was 5%. Everybody was Christian. Everybody was Catholic. And it was a shared, I mean, a shared community. And there's levels to this because the older folks were in like um, organized churches whether it be a, a black Baptist church, uh, a white Catholic church, um, and it was still segregated. Churches were always segregated, but the communities were integrated because everybody was mm-hmm. poor. 
everybody was just making it. Everybody was working, but the wealth wasn't there, you know, as far as like in your bank account. But um, when when you have people around you that are offering you knowledge or experience or history in like a religious context, I mean, I didn't know what was right. Uh, I didn't know what was made up. I didn't know what was allegory. And you just become part of this uh, cornucopia of just religious experience. And when I'm, when I, when I was having my experiences with my friends, a lot of brothers were 5% nation of gods and herbs. And they always talked about mathematics and they always talked about the knowledge itself and personal accountability. And I, they always drew a line to how religions will allow you to put your sin or your transgressions onto somebody else. Uh, and once you're forgiven, it's all good. Well, in Nation of Gods and Earth's 5%, it's like, hey, um, really, we're going to do some self-inventory and we're going to work on our toxic behaviors. We're going to work on that. And doing the knowledge itself isn't like, hey, I have knowledge itself, guys. Here I am one day and everything that I was yesterday is gone. That doesn't that does not exist because the knowledge itself will always remind you every day that your lessons are going to teach you something about yourself it's something like with the scriptures or the quran um i don't care if you uh, run with the old testament or the new testament um there's always something in there that you can see and you feel like it's speaking to you so anything i read from from the quran the quotes i read from the quran because jesus is probably the most quoted prophet in the quran um and there's so many so many jewels and proverbs that you can read in the scripture. And I always felt those things were speaking to me. But being growing up with my uh, my grandmother, she was you know Catholic and her family was Catholic, so Irish Catholic, they're they're Irish. Would she take you to the Catholic Church? Well, I don't know. Well, if I went to St. Casimir's Catholic Church and I went to St. Casimir's school from second to eighth grade. Oh, okay. So and I had to go to church every Sunday and yeah, it was that's right. It was boring. It was painful. But the only thing I enjoyed about it was being being an altar boy when I was in like fourth grade. Oh, cool. So, you know, I love that experience, man. I love being altar boy for like and I was also an altar boy after I left St. Casmer's when I went to Albany High because uh, St. Casmer's for me was from second to eighth grade. And I wore a suit, not a suit and tie, but I wore a tie and, a, you know, button up shirt and slacks and shoes every day to school from second yeah. to eighth grade. Wow. So respect was, wasn't, wasn't something that you could just put on because you have a tie on. But right. I got to tell you, I felt, I felt respected yeah. because it was, you know, cause I looked respectful. Sure. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and the same thing when you, when you're an altar boy, you're serving in, in a larger uh, organization in a capacity where the lead guy, the priest is directing you, redirecting you, and you have an obligation, you have a responsibility. Yeah. Now. And I always appreciated that. And the same thing goes when you, when I was um, uh, involved uh, heavily within uh, the nation of gods and herbs and dealing with all my friends who were involved. And of course, the separation for me in that was the dogma or the story um so what, what uh, is yeah, this that you're talking about i'm sorry what what is this that you're talking about the nation of gods and herbs like you oh you you were you were actually involved with them this wasn't just like some of your you knew some people 
Yeah, but yeah, and like I said, my separation from that was the dogma uh, that came into place where it was a, it's a story about Yakub. And Yakub was a black scientist who actually created uh, the grafted man, which is the white man. Um, it's Caucasians, uh, we only go back about 6,000 or 60,000 years on the planet. And so with that was up depending on who you talk to is what you're saying. Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, but 6,000 or 60,000 is, uh, kind of often referred to as uh, a factual. So, but with, with the idea that, that, that the white man is a grafted man, um, I couldn't be full original man. I couldn't be full of the potential that original people have on this planet. So my existence on this planet, uh, was was definitely questioned as to why I'm here, how long I'm going to be here. And then I learned that I don't care who I am on this planet. My DNA, my, my atoms and all that are part of a whole nother existence that I really can't explain. So when when I'm hearing these things from the people I'm growing up with, I, I was challenged by that. But I was also challenged by the scriptures as well. When they talk about a God who is murderous and allowed people to take over villages and to keep women for their own joy, for their own ideas, and to kill every man and, and young boy as, as they see fit to take over. I was like, wow, there's a lot of things here that I was yeah. conflicted with. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And when you talk about Jesus in the New Testament, obviously he's not, he's not representing that type of a mentality. But I'm like, hey, this isn't the same book, and this is from the same God. What am I supposed to be doing here? So I had those questions growing up, and I was a constant writer about about what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, and I talked a lot. I asked a lot of questions. Yeah, I never tried to like derail like religious religious um studies, but I always had those questions, bro. I was that dude to ask the one question that I was told yeah. that I was being too aggressive, or I'm I'm trying to derail yeah. the the word of God, well, or. Yeah. So it's, it's odd, man, being in this community of people, like yeah. physically in my neighborhood, and then bringing some of that knowledge back into our yeah. religious studies. And well, dude, bro, and like, I think that's such a beautiful thing because it's like, I mean, I felt the same way, like growing up sometimes. It's like, you know, I mean, a lot of people listen to this show right now. It's like they know, like, Jamie and I are both, like, you know, Orthodox Christians. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I got here, like, through, like, Rasta. You know what I'm saying? And I got here also through like just mm -hmm. asking questions. And I felt like growing up sometimes, like growing up in like the household and the tradition that I was growing up in, like I wasn't able to like ask certain questions. And it's like when you have something like deep within your soul, it's like I, I need, you know, it's like and there are some things that like, you know, like I tell people all the time, like one of my best friends is Muslim. You know what I'm saying? And me and him, like we just talk and build. Like we we know where like we don't see eye to eye on right, but it's like we don't we don't have to always like there there's enough you know there's enough collision right now going on. It's like we don't need to bring that out. It's like mm -hmm. you know if we're honest mm -hmm. of what what we don't exactly see eye to eye on, and that's fine. We're fine with it. We can mm -hmm. agree to disagree, but we can still learn and build. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's something yeah. I've I've gotten yeah. from a lot of your music too. And even it was like a man child and crumb had like a. IG live thing where they're talking about like, yo, like Sev was the one who put us upon like, you know, 5%. And I was like, 
but wasn't y'all listening to Woo? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> but so I was, so the other, the, you know, other thing we kind of want to go into too is like, um, you know, just through like, you know, in your Instagram posts and stuff like that, like you've kind of gotten into like, you know, Freemasonry and stuff lately, right? So. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been a master Mason for oh, about 15 boy. years now. And so it was like 2004, I uh, came into the okay. um, fraternity. And, um, you know, with, when you, when you talk about mathematics and like the, in, in the 5%, uh, the 5% um, organization, I mean, um, a lot of that stuff, um, a lot of the beliefs and, and, and the systems and the lessons uh, that are in the nation of God's herbs come from the nation of Islam, which comes from uh, Freemasonry or just the science of, of institutions of learning and education. Where can, what, where, how far can we bring science? How far can we bring mathematics inside of dogma and religion? We're not going to bring it too far because at some point, you're going to be locked up in a dungeon somewhere because of your ideas on calculus, your ideas on science, your ideas on how, how does this chemical mix with, mm. with this chemical. And those are real things. And these quote unquote underground societies, you know, became popular because in back in the day, dark ages, the reason why we had dark ages was because we had, religious organizations just pounding out the people who were super intelligent and we talked about science and we talked about mathematics i mean women couldn't even they couldn't even teach because they weren't learning anything because men wouldn't allow them to learn anything so it it goes back to religion which goes back to man so many different variables here as to why we're in the in, in the predicament that we are in like right now in today because of male fragility white fragility uh, so many things are have gone wrong in this country i think if we really knew the truth uh about the world and how it's come to be would we really want to know and what would we do to change and be better tomorrow um but to bring it back to the uh, uh masonic um, um tip you know there's i get so many questions on it i i don't know even where to begin on my experience in it because it is a organization that allows for other systems of belief um specifically religious beliefs but also there's a lot of science in this education like things that make sense because if religion about your god or any god dies today and science dies today. And if you bring it all back in a thousand years, science is going to be the same. Religion will not. You're going to have different names, different experiences. The context is going to be different. Uh, but science will be the science will be the same exact thing. Mathematics will be the same exact thing. So we got to wonder: Are we making this stuff up? For what and why? Why do we have these certain rules? Um, whether it be Ten Commandments. I mean, I always ask the question, how come slavery wasn't in, in the Ten Commandments? Like, thou shall not own another human being that I create. Thou shall not rape. You know what I mean? Like, what do we do? And to talk about race in itself, is it real? Are we just a human race? Um, but so Freemasonry has definitely allowed me to have um, a discussion with other like-minded men who are sharing these ideas and it's definitely about getting better for yourself 
So I've got a question for you, um, you know, back to you personally. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you and I were involved in similar communities um, in yeah. there was some overlap in our, in the, in the hip hop community. Um, but there was definitely in both of the groups that you were in and in the circles that we ran in that overlapped was part of like the evangelical Christian subculture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I almost feel like, I don't, you know, I wasn't writing down years, but I almost feel like what you've talked about with your Catholic and 5% background and then Freemasonry, I feel like there may be a little bit of a gap in, in there somewhere that might coincide mm-hmm. with some of the rap stuff. And I wonder if you could take me into where you were in that space. Um, well, in the 80s, it was all about 5% stuff and it was all about what I was learning in, in, in math, grade God. school. Um, but I never said, do the math. God. What's up? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So back in the eighties, um, cause I went to high school in 86 and you know, I started ninth grade and I graduated in 90 and, uh, you know, that was such a fun time, but the early eighties, you know, hip hop was just coming up. And, you know, if, if you knew the language, you could hear the 5% language in, in hip hop and some things, you know, just like, you know, Clay was like just saying a little while ago, when you get with brothers, his Muslim brother, you know, they get together at fellowship and they build. Well, the word build is not in any type of dialogue in, in the Christian language at all, nowhere, especially in any subculture. It literally comes from the nation of gods and herbs. Like these, these when you say word is bond or, oh, he dropped a bomb on him or, he, or, that, or that's a jewel right there. That's from the nation of gods and herbs. And when you hear those things, like when you said earlier about Wu-Tang, a lot of those cats, they didn't know, they thought it was like regular, like hip-hop language. And the actual, all that vernacular, those words came from uh, the Nation of Gods and Earths, the 5%. And so when you meet somebody to have a conversation about uh, the Nation of Gods and Earths, it gets a little bit more in-depth. And then when I introduced all that stuff to, to like the brothers from Deep Space Five, it's only because they've had questions for me. We, we go into it a little deeper, whether it be about Islam, whether it be about Buddhism, uh, whether it be about atheism, um, anything, science, um, uh, even like being being a born again Christian. I always asked brothers coming up back in the day when I was super vibrant in that scene. I expected something from these guys because I thought that naturally I should just be here. You know, what I mean, because of the commitment that I had with my local youth group and stuff. Also, mm-hmm. growing up Catholic. And then you realize, you know, who you are and how many different ways yeah. you're being pulled. So do you settle on one way and get in with a group of people or do you actually become a free thinker and, and, and start your own? And then you wonder, like, hey, you know, am I being am I being fooled in all directions? Right, Maybe right. fooled is the wrong word, but, you know, you definitely want to know who you are and your experiences. But I would say in the, in, in the, in the late in the late eighties, I was definitely on some 5% stuff, but that stuff carries through, you know what I mean? Like it carries through until like right now. Um, right. So there's, that, there's thoughts and principles and things of it that you still yeah, hang on to is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I was, I was able to tie in those, uh, those principles with, uh, anything I got from Christianity, anything I got from, um, um, Islam. And then I sat back and I'm like, man, I have this naturally. I already know how to be peaceful. I don't need any religion to tell me this is the way to be peaceful. But I, I will say that it's we as men do need that nudge 
to say, hey, we need to be accountable to each other and we need to be be accountable for ourselves because when we can easily just throw it off in a prayer and say, oh, I'm sorry, and not deal with the effects of the toxic uh, BS that we had yesterday. Yeah. How does that, how does that begin to heal us? It doesn't begin to heal us. I'm not a therapist on any level. Right. I have a a therapist. I can repeat their language for sure, but I am not a therapist. So I can only deal with myself and me sharing my experiences and encouraging other brothers to be accountable is is my only job. No, no, go, go go ahead. ahead. All right. I I think you, I think you're onto something there. You know, Um, I think the, the older I get, especially the more I realize how much I do need my brothers. I need, and and I need friends who are just not, not buddies that we, you know, talk hip hop with, or I'm not really a sports guy, but I know a lot of times friendships can live on this surface level. Mm -hmm. And, um, And the friendships that really have had the most impact on me, personally made the biggest difference in my life are the ones that go deeper than surface level and the people who challenge me and challenge me to be, uh, to be better, but are also there for me when I'm inclined to not be my best. Mm. And, you know, having someone, uh, you know, the term, I actually don't like the term accountability very much. I know Mm. it can be used well. Um, the term I really like the most is accessibility. Okay. Oh, really, there's no conflict here. But let, let me explain what I mean. For me, accessibility is that thing when you have friends who are truly there, truly able to hear you. They know, they know you, they care about you, um, and they're known by you, right? And so in, in that relationship, uh, it gives you access to someone who can help you bear a difficult load, um, or help you face a difficult decision without simply relying on yourself. Mm. Were you about to say something, Clayton? No. (laughs) 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 Just taking a drink. Um, But I mean, you know, like while we're here, so, um, so like, I I guess, uh, so like, so where you're at now, like, where you, I mean, I guess, do you have like a conflict of, um, faith and belief, so so to speak, or are you just like one thing kind of transitions into into another, and like this is where you're at? Um, yeah, like um, like I've I've had conversations of did Jesus ever exist mm-hmm. with my friends and with other people, of course, uh, with people online or people I meet. You know, is there is there a real historical Jesus and uh? You know, why is he painted white all over the world? Uh, did these miracles actually happen um, in scripture? Like, uh, there's a, a lot of history in scripture, as it would say or denote. And you would they would allude to these uh, people being mm. historical. And then you find out that some of them, like King Solomon and these guys, never even existed. Moses didn't exist. Like, you know, it, it, that's debatable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, but if you were to all, I would wonder what, what, if we're going to talk about that, we, we'd have to say and be fair and say, where's the evidence for any of that? Not just it coming from a book um, that we prize and we, we, we actually put up on a pedestal to say, this is where we're going to get all of our information. It's knowledge to an extent, um, but it's, but is it true? Like ask ourselves, mm-hmm. is, is it true? 
Am I to say, yo, it's not true? On any, no, but I would say, hey, let me see what you have for evidence to show me. So again, I have no problem with um, um, living my life or uh, or expecting another person uh, that I'm that I'm close with to live their life through faith. I won't challenge anybody's uh, faith, but I will challenge your uh, your information and your evidence. If you're if you say, hey, I have faith that Christ existed, I believe that's great. We can eat together. We can chill together. We can build together. But if you want to tell me that you know for a fact, 100%, that Christ existed, I'd like to see some evidence. Or doesn't matter who it is. It could be it could be Moses. It could be any character in the uh, Bible that you want to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. And I like that stuff. I'm not challenging you. I'm not challenging you right. to say that you're wrong because I didn't find any evidence. Right. You may have some evidence. Sure. Um, oh, well, pe- you know, people have even discounted whether. Uh, you know, say Socrates lived. Correct. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there are conversations that can be had yeah. about all sorts of figures mm-hmm. in history. And, but at, at some point, especially as a, you know, I'm a former history teacher and stuff, Here we you know, go. To, at some point, uh, you know, we do have to make sense of history. Now there's there, obviously there's a lot of things in history that, um, well, let's put it this way. History is not really what happened. History is the story that we've told about what happened. Correct. And that, that story that we've told has certainly been influenced. So that's where we can get down all sorts of interesting conversations, not just about scripture and uh, religious figures, but just people in general. I mean, people have made a religion about being a Jedi over in Europe. You could actually, <laughs> you could actually claim your religion as Jedi. That's uh, incredible. And I got to tell you, like in 500 years, a thousand years from now, when this stuff still exists, you know, Luke and Leia are going to be the pillars in this in, the, in this religion, and the devil's going to be Darth Vader or something like that. Or, maybe or maybe Star Wars will merge with Mormonism. <laughs> okay. Another testament of Jesus Christ from a yeah. galaxy far, far away. Sure. I mean, Luke Skywalker. It's Luke. Luke. The name Luke comes from Lucius and Lucius represents a name, a very, a variation of Lucifer. Lucifer literally means light. I mean, there you go. There's, there's, there's these, so, and there's, there's lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> and symbolism just goes on and on and on. But Luke also represents the sun, sure. like the, the risen sun or the actual physical sun where the sun walks on the sky. Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, which is, which just means uh, dark father. Uh, Dark Father, as in what? He tried to convince this guy, like Satan did in in, in Lucifer, Satan did in in Scripture, where he tempted Jesus and said, I'm going to give you all this. Just come to the dark side. Same thing he said with uh, Luke Skywalker. He's like, yo, just come to the dark side. It's more powerful over here. So I love those written analogies, like um, I'm based in these these films. So, yeah, you're right, Jamie. Like this truth that we have here, it's a truth, but – uh, it does represent a variation of a variation of a variation of a truth that was told a long time ago, whether it's historical or just a story told uh, to unveil morality is a whole nother story. I really wouldn't care if Jesus ever, ex- I don't care if Jesus, Jesus existed because what's attached to his, his, his name in, in, in the uh, New Testament is where I draw uh, value from. Um, you know, I read comics, I read a lot of other books and I read stuff that's encouraging. I like watching encouraging movies about 
you know, the underdog and coming up. There's so many lessons we can learn. Superman's not real, but he had a lot of value. His moral compass was to serve people. You could take that and be like, hey, I want to be like that. Whether he was real or not, he's that person, I'm excusing that character, still influenced you and, and your life. If you want to go ahead and live your whole entire life around that dogma, I'm not mad at you. Wear Superman stuff all day. I don't really care. A lot of people wear crucifixes all day. I really don't care. If, if you're a douchebag, I'm going to tell you. And if you're a nice person, and if you're a nice person, I'm going to reward you with giving you my respect. And I'll, I will help you in any part of life that you need help with. Yeah. Liberally. Boom. I'll give it to you. You need it. I got you. Especially if you're in my circle. None of my friends go without. And as an, I find out, I find out you're losing on something. I, mean, I got I mean, you. And that's just, that's just being a good dude. You know what I'm saying? That's like, and, and I, I yeah. think that, I think that that was another line in one of your songs where you're like, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I can't remember if it was like a student joint, but you're like, you know, don't wait for like Jesus uh-huh. come down. You be the Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, that was on Sliver. Uh, like yeah, that, that impacted. That was on Sliver. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, dude. I I got the EP and the LP. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I mean, like, that to me that that meant some because I'm like, yeah, it's true. It's like there's a lot of people sometimes like you're waiting for X, Y, and Z, but like just do it, you know. But so like, and it's funny because like just you talking about a lot of things. So the last question I guess I want to ask before maybe transition to some some lighter stuff because you know we've been we've been heavy and that's good. You know what I'm saying? Because that's um but but yeah, it's thanks, like thanks for going deep with us man dude and so, so i'm like you know so like you know there's a point like you know you were obviously in like say like the quote-unquote like christian hip-hop circles this and a third but was there ever a point like for you personally where you're like i don't know if i necessarily get down with this and this is where i want to go now or was it just i mean like was it like a something happened i guess that's what i'm saying it's like was there a shipwreck so to speak where you're like i i can't I can't do this anymore. You mean as far as like uh, being part or of that even to scene say or like rocking with Christianity or, like as a faith? Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and um, the scene too, for know, that since, matter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, since since day one, um, I don't necessarily like uh, labels anymore. I don't like because it limits you to an experience sometimes, mm-hmm. and that can be argued as well. And uh, it, it also can open you up to other uh, yeah. other friendships and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know if there was ever a point that I said, "Yo, I'm not down with this. I'm not rocking with it." Like since day one, I've always I've always been the guy to write about myself yeah. and my lyrics. As if I'm talking about an artist and being like a whack MC, you know that was that was uh, right. that was child play. That was stuff where you're immature yeah. as as an artist and you're knocking somebody else because of how they do their thing. I'll never knock another artist yeah. again. And I, I, if I talk about whack MCs, I'm talking about you being a person using right. Right, right. Uh, hip-hop as a means to either deceive people or act a fool. And I don't need you to be uh, you know, OC on the mic. I don't need you to be Rakim on the mic uh, to be teaching people. I don't need you to be Lecrae on the mic or propaganda. I don't, I don't need you to be that, but just be authentic. So if I ever used somebody... If I ever said, you know, this kid's whack, it's because this guy actually is not living what he's saying in his lyrics. And that's whack to me. Whatever label you want to 
stick on yourself. If you're not living that, I'm not holding you to be a level of perfection. But when you're talking about art, it's like, man, this is something I hold dear to myself. And if you are not of my liking, I'm not going to call you whack because of how you right. do your thing. Um, but when it comes when it comes down to uh, me choosing a path or me me having this epiphany at at some point, like you said earlier, like I don't know where it was, but since day one, I've always mm. preached to myself. I've always said, "Hey, anything I talked about with uh, uh, being downtrodden or the fall of man, I talked about myself. I never preached to anybody uh, where they had to do something to change their life. One thing." If you're a person that recognizing that Jesus is mm. your savior, okay, that's great. But can you be Jesus? I never, mm. I didn't have a father growing up. I, I didn't need him in my life to be a, to be a dope dad, to be a dope father. You know what I mean? So if if but if you are a person and you want to live a, a life of a piety, you want to be righteous or whatever, I would suggest go ahead and sharing that. But don't judge other people if they're not living up to your level of Christianity. And I only mention Christianity because I think that's our right, more familiar right, circle together. Yeah, we're, we're and it's, it's relevant to this podcast with us as okay. the hosts, and yeah. we have and no I, requirement for our guests to be Christians, but uh, yeah. but we are, so it comes up, you know. And I appreciate the uh, um, the ex- I love young people and their experience in the church, in culture, in the world. I will. I don't care about your tattoos. I don't care about your piercings. I don't. I never cared yeah. about any of that. And again, earlier when I said I saw people in my life that yeah. were doing negative things, yeah. I learned from that. And when I saw Christians dishing on other people, disrespecting them because they lived a certain way, I don't care if you were gay. I don't care if you had, like I said, tattoos. If you were a biker who came to church with a, with a, with a leather coat on, with patches on. Come to church, come to fellowship, come to where yeah. your community is. But yeah. we have we have people who are stuck on themselves and they think they have the word of God down. They spoke to God about you and how you should live your life. And here we are. We're in this melting pot of people in the church and the church is losing so many people. And all these alternative churches are, are, are popping up. And I appreciate them. Whether they believe in the, the gospels or not, they want to apply love in their life. And when they don't receive love, yeah. they leave. Yeah. They go. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy for people to be. I got to tell you, bro, if, if, if Islam was an accepted uh, religion here in the U.S. on a large level, Christianity would be defeated in a heartbeat. But we villainize it all day, every day. And I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not promoting it on any level. I am not a Muslim. Um and I wouldn't want to take out take on any of those titles to say that's what I am because man, it does shut down a yeah. lot of conversations. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's keeping open hand. conversations. And at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, for me, that's what it is. Like it's just it's learning. Like whether it's like, you know, like learning like from five percent. It's like, I mean, like what you were talking about as far as like um a lot of like nation of Islam stuff. Like, you know, like I read the autobiography of, yeah. of Malcolm X and that's why I learned a lot of that stuff where actually I personally, I could be wrong, but like I drew some parallels between that mm-hmm. and like Mormonism just based on some of the stories mm-hmm. as far as the creation story and things like that. But you know what, like is what hurt my heart the most when I read that it, it wasn't him talking about 
you know, the NOI stuff, it was mostly like when he would kind of dog on Christianity, but at the same time, like, but Mm -hmm. you were only going off of what you knew. So how can I judge your experience, so to speak? Right. But I think one of the things that really touched me reading, like, you know, about Malcolm X was like, there was a point when he left the NOI and became Muslim and he was talking about, um, there was a point where they, you know, kind of like they're huddled a meeting place, right? And he was saying that there was this white woman who came up to him and was like, hey, you know, what can I do to help? And he was like, you can do nothing. And he said that was one of his biggest regrets is like she wanted to actually do something and help. And he turned her away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. Yeah, he had kind of transitioned into somebody who was being yeah. more acceptable. And he said, hey, you guys can. I mean, you got to remember, like, he, was, he wasn't he was just a, a, a Muslim right, man. Right. He was a black man. I mean, the guy couldn't walk, in, for the most part, he could, in some states, he couldn't even walk into a restaurant at the front door. And <laughs> with right here. So, I mean, like, he, he had a, a totally separate experience. I mean, think about it. Back then, even, 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 even today, churches are the most segregated on places Sundays, say, on yeah. the planet. And ironically, mm-hmm. it's a church where it's not supposed, like all are accepted. And I mean, you have uh, people who are in these uh, pews, uh, whether it be a Catholic church, um, um, born again type place, you know what I mean? Like a grace fellowship or something like that. It, it's sad because like these, these, these people are the same people that were doing this stuff in the 50s and 60s. And now their kids are doing it. And that is, they just make it look better because they think they're not racist because they listen to rap music. It's ridiculous. I've had these conversations with people and it's just like, they have no idea how ignorant they are. But again, back to Malcolm X, when you talk about his experience, people hated him, but i tell you what, people love George Washington. People love all them old time uh, fathers of the, uh, of the United States of America. And they were all slaveholders. Some of them were rapists. They love these people. Malcolm X never killed anybody. He's never been arrested for rape. You know what I mean? Look at the people we put up on pedestals. So I find that, uh, you know, one of his quotes from Malcolm X, you know, brotherhood takes practice. You know, I actually said that one time in, um, in a Masonic lodge in one of my speeches. And um, a couple of the brothers were upset about that because they were like, yo, you're such a racist guy. And I'm like, okay. Cause he responded to racism and you didn't like it. It made you uncomfortable when he challenged you as a white man to be accountable for your bull crap. Uh, you didn't like it and you didn't like being called a spade when you were being, when you were being wrong, when, when someone you were doing the wrong to, to somebody else. And I got to say black Christians and white Christians back in the day, white Christians hated them. You know what I mean? I mean, of course there's some that had a heart, you know what I mean? But if, they, if more of them had a heart for acceptance, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now with churches and communities. Poverty is planned. It's yeah, it's it's, it's, on on. it's pretty tough, you know, to, to like I mentioned about history earlier. I mean, it's pretty tough to paint with a broad brush, you know, any society or any group of people, because with every one of them, you've got horrors and you have wonderful things. And even even horrors. Horrors, yeah, like terrible things, not horrors. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> you have the, the the world's oldest occupation in every society as well, but yeah. that's not what I was talking about. No, you have horrible things. You have, you have people doing terrible things to one another, 
And then you have mixed in there good as well. You know, many of even like the abolitionists um, in this country, you know, did incredible things and were absolutely necessary. And some of them were still kind of terrible people in other ways. Yeah, you know, like I, I don't put people up on pedestals, bro. Anymore, yeah, I grew true. out of that when I in my early twenties. I realized I'm like I'm never gonna look at somebody and go, yeah, I want to be like yeah. that guy because you yeah. find out that guy is yeah, now in prison yeah. for something else or yeah. whatever. So, but I yeah, people yeah. make mistakes. People, yeah. people go off yeah. the deep end. People change certain things. That's why we I take a value. I take some stake in uh, 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 people who have the value yeah. in certain things. You know, I don't gravitate towards people who are genuine uh genuinely like violent i don't i stay away from people yeah. like that who have serious issues like that but uh you know when you talk about like people who are good in the community you know whether you'd be an abolitionist or you'd be a good christian person back in the day yeah and that good stuff doesn't last long yeah. because what do you, what what are they right. teaching their kids right like it's like I think just the yeah. negative and the hate and the separation yeah. just lasts longer than than somebody doing some good stuff. So we're talking about a lot of different things here. Yeah, and, absolutely. But again, ironically, when you're talking about church and God and uh, this community of church and God, like ironically, it's it's crazy separated. And the validation to be a douchebag a lot of times comes from Christianity. Like, oh, the Lord said this. This is why you're in this condition. <laughs> and the Lord said we could have slaves back then, and it wasn't illegal. It's yeah. like, I'm going to use my brain here, and I'm not going to use any type of law to validate enslaving anybody else. Yeah. So if any scripture says that I can take a slave, I'm burning that. So I'm not going to burn it, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not honoring it. I'm not going with it. If you around me with it, I'm not having it. If you want you if you want women to walk ten feet behind you, and that was in Christianity, that that that's in um Islam, I'm not dealing with it. Equality yeah. across the board. I want opportunities for everybody to be the same. Let your skills and your talent and your civility yeah. sort out yeah. your society. When that happens, you're gonna see how different a society can be where we don't need dogma, we don't need a religion, and religion has nothing to do with God. Or your faith in God or what you well, believe I in. I think that's why there's such a weight on us as fathers. You know, it's like to be these role models. You know, it's like when my kids come to me, like, I'm honest. Like, you know, they're like, hey, what do you think about this, this, and this? I'm like, okay, well, like, so, you know, we go to church. We do this, this, and this. But at the end of the day, like, you, you have to make your own decision. I can't tell you what to do. You know what I'm saying? It's like 100%. I just have to be the best one hundred percent. I show up every morning and like I'm praying and like, hey, you want to pray? And sometimes they're like, yeah. Sometimes I know. I'm like, okay. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just yeah. It's just authenticity. People crave yeah. authenticity right now. You know, and that's I think that's yes. what I really love about yes. this right now is just authenticity. You know what I'm saying? And it's like we want to have a place of authenticity. Um. So. Yes, I'm gonna try and move to some 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 lighter stuff, some some good stuff, some hip hop stuff. Is yeah, there yeah. actually any new material coming oh. from Sev Static? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that one, was Dude, Well, I have um, I have a group my man called uh, Understanding. Yeah, yeah, which they, they came out um, a couple years ago, a few years ago actually, and which was dope. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you, man. We we had a fun time 
um, doing that, man. Um, anytime I make music is always fun. And these brothers, I love my man Knowledge. I love my man Sess. We we go we go out in fellowship uh, quite a bit, even through uh, you know COVID. We still got together and, and did, did some things, you know, safety distance, you know what I'm saying, whatever. And uh, but we go out to eat quite a bit and always always build and connect. Um, as far as like uh, solo stuff, I have I have a couple of projects done uh, with a with a with a local uh, producer, and but they've been done since oh, wow. 2015. And yeah, and since then, since Sophie, that was my last uh, solo project off of um, you know Subbombing. But um, I haven't really invested my time in doing some doing some solo music. I just been busy working and stuff. But but I've been working for um, uh, a second job now for about five years at FedEx. I, I saw the sweatshirt. So, and that, <laughs> yo, okay, that's yeah. <laughs> so it's like we uh, um. I stay busy with that. And my yeah. kids are in college and my son's about to be in college or a trade school this year. They're so yeah. focused on other stuff, man. And, um, you know, I appreciate the, the, the collabs I've done in the past couple of years, but I have no plans to release any solo stuff. None. I don't even have a passion for it. Um, not a passion yeah. for like a writing, but a passion to put out a project. Yeah. Now there's, I used to love putting out music and nowadays I just, I could put up anything on Bandcamp for sure and pay what you want, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's just not my thing where I, I value my time uh, too much to be uh, investing into uh, music when I have other things I'm doing. But I have a, a group. It's called Flyright. It's uh, a, a project that I've had now since 2013, and it's geared towards young people. And we put out uh, uh, videos. We record songs with uh, young people. And we do like six week programs at schools, youth centers. That's cool. Yeah. So we've been focusing on that. So that's definitely taken up um, a lot of my time. Got a couple of uh, programs this year. Every year we've had programs except for last year because of COVID. But yeah. So, Is mean, that something people can look up somewhere online? Yeah. Uh, we don't have, I don't have a website for it, but um, um, <clears throat> somewhere on um, YouTube, I think it's on my, uh, my Seth Static page on YouTube. Um, okay. I think it's under a light mode, but I have a couple of fly right videos. Fly right is spelled W R I T E. I could actually leave a link for the YouTube videos in the, yeah. uh, the chat that we had. Yeah. We, we can put that in the show notes and uh, yeah. is, is YouTube the best place to find, to find you or do you have other socials you'd like to plug? Oh, just Instagram. Um, I'm not, I'm, I just got back on Facebook about two weeks ago. I, I was off for like a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I put out a couple of um, I put out a couple. I put out a couple of like um, I shared a couple of videos, like rap videos, not my videos, but just some regular hip hop stuff the past couple of years. But everything, every time I get on Facebook years ago, right. everybody just wanted to debate. I love the I love debating, but it just takes yeah. so much time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love getting it. I soon then I just stayed off Facebook. Like, if you read any of my posts uh, for the past like five years. Um, it's sparingly, yeah. it's maybe 10 yeah. year, you know what I mean? But before I would put 10 yeah. posts up in like an hour, Dude. you know, yeah. or commenting and looking I, at it, but I totally stuck understand. It. Like five, five or six years ago, I killed mine and I rebooted it and I just started publishing like only satire, like yeah. the, the onion and click hole oh, and all man. this stuff. Just every day I just posted satire, satire, satire for like a full year. And then like, I, I got tired of that. And now I just hardly yeah. post and I just use it to keep up with other people. 
Yeah, I'm on I'm on Facebook now. Um, um about the last yeah. like two weeks maybe I've been posting <laughs> up a little more, posting up original posts and commenting on people's posts, but a little, sure. little bit at a time. But Instagram is where I'm at because I post sure. up a bunch of pictures and stuff. You know, my kids, my dogs, and comic books and the sky yeah. and whatever else. And Final that, that guy's uh, what's the call sign? It's at seven. Just seven static. Seven static. Yeah. The number I, seven uh, though, right? No. Oh. No, every, everything is sev static. It's it's. I'm sorry. It's it's like that on on Instagram. I think it's seven ev. Okay. That's but, my uh, thought. So, but if you want to find me on it, just type in sev static okay. on any social media, and I always use sev static at whatever. Okay. Sev static at Instagram. Sev static Facebook. Any and sev static Twitter. It's all the wow. same. Like I'll never have to give you five different spellings of sure. static to get to anything. It's you know, for branding wise, you'd be smart to keep it one way. Yeah. yeah. You could change your actual name, your your name up top, but as far as what people see, but yeah, it is okay. a seven that's right. a seven E V. Well dope. Uh well we, we appreciate you being on. Yeah, um, yeah. But I like that vinyl you got back. Is that the tunnel rat vinyl too behind Yeah, you? I got I got the, the tunnel rats and I got the, the deep space five. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got I got that. I got the future and what it used to be, you know? Yeah, I got the, um, you know, I got the, 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 the wax. wax. I got the white. I got a, uh, what's on there? We got a uh, talk music, crumbs, wingspan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, nice. Those are my joints. We like to put a first time guest on the spot and say, what would you say is like your favorite rap song of all time? Um, I ain't no joke. Eric B and Rakim. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. I love the conviction that you had when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. What made you fall in love with it? Um, just the, the, well, at the time, because it was so different than what was already out. Um, but when I listen to it now, when I listen to it all the time, I listen to that music to this day. Um, it's just nostalgic for me, everything he was saying in it. Um, you know, there's a song, um, it's called In the Ghetto or Ghetto um, by Eric B. and Rakim. And it, that's another one of my favorite songs of all time. From the beat to everything he was saying, if you if you listen to that song, Eric from Eric B. and Rakim, um, um, In the Ghetto, like such a classic song. And of course, um, paid in, uh, the whole album paid in full from Eric B. and Rakim. Planet Earth was my place of birth, born to be the sole controller of the universe. Besides the part of the map, I hit first any environment I can adapt. When it gets worse, the rough gets going, the going gets rough. When I start flowing, the mic might bust. The next day to shake from the power I generate. People in Cali used to think it was earthquakes. I Ain't No Joke was one of them songs that was also released as a single. It was a party song, it was an MC song. Street cats were doing it, and everything about it was so dope. And plus, it just it it, it, it captured everything that was going on with with being hip hop without talking about hip hop mm. at the same time. And a lot of cats back then were definitely talking about just hip hop, right? And to have him come out and do this thing, but yeah, I ain't no joke. So definitely my favorite. It gets me hyped. But you could play anything from that era, and I'm gonna 
feel the same way about it. But Rakim, I definitely owe that you know, that conviction to his to name all his stuff. I don't even I don't I'm I, I, I know all his lyrics. Uh, everything from back then, from LL Cool J to MC Shan, Karis One, Big Daddy Can't handle everything. You play the song, I got you. Yeah. I'm, I'm lip syncing everything, bro. Um, but you know, it's like that song um, from Souls of Mischief. You know what song I'm talking about, right? 93 till infinity. Thank you, man. That's <laughs> what it was. You already know what it is. song comes in right. your head you hear it you're like bro it just puts you in that exact position that you when you first heard it so that's that's what i get when i hear it i ain't no joke from uh from rock him that's that's a beautiful explanation yeah and i do and i must say that people would be sleeping on pm dawn bro hey i like pm dawn <laughs> bro pm dawn that's fair yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not talking about from like an MC standpoint, but yo, killing it, bro. Like I love yeah. being man. Yeah. Yeah, I love it all. Even if even if even if Karis one pretty was whack and he threw so, him off stage, whatever. I don't care. Let Karis one throw him off stage. Don't matter. <laughs> I'm gonna like who I want to like. <laughs> you can yeah. still like him. It's I, all good. So if we were us to end with a Seth Static yeah. song, what would you want um, us to play? Wow. Um, I mean, my original Speak Life is on my band camp. That's pretty official. Oh, like the OG, OG, yes, like 96. Yeah. I love that, that joint. That's on my band camp. But, man, there's so many. But I, You know, I, I love the Sliver album, bro. You can play any song off that. You know what I mean? I'll, on that note, I'll just say thank you for joining us. It's It's been amazing having you and uh, getting to know a little bit more about what's going on in, in your mind and your heart over the years. And uh, gosh, just thank thank you for taking the time, man. Yeah, man. Y'all down to come back through, for real. Oh, thank you so much. Make it happen. Yes, yeah, uh, thank you, man. We appreciate it, dude. Now the devil utilizes our colors to kill each other Telling us all how to act and being realists to represent the gutter He'll always preach on the opposite of what God said Just, Just check Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 5 in the verse If you yeah. talk the talk, you must walk the walk when you speak life yeah. Speak life if you yeah. talk the talk, you must walk the walk when you speak life yeah. Speak life Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks before we wrap it up for the day, I want to share a couple things with you. Behind the scenes, what you may not know is I've had a lot going on. Uh, I've actually started another podcast. I'm going to be launching that on Ancient Faith Radio. I'm going to be talking about the Old Testament books that are sometimes pulled out of certain Bibles and called the Apocrypha. That show will be called Bad Books of the Bible, and it will be with my good friend, Joel Miller. Uh, but also, I've been hard at work on some other stuff, uh, working on the Mr. Rogers of the Rap Game record. I'm hoping to be wrapped up with recording by the end of the summer, and we'll have it out later this year. Speaking of this summer, it is a summer of the cicadas. Uh, yes, that's right. It is another summer of the cicadas where the cicadas are coming out if you happen to live in one of those areas of North America with 13 or 17-year periodical cicadas. Pretty exciting stuff. 
if you haven't checked it out before, check out our website, summeroftheCicadas.com. Cicadas are C-I-C-A-D-A-S. Before we wrap up today, I just wanted to share some thoughts based on our conversation with Sev Static. I mentioned earlier how the podcast got started. Uh, the purpose of this show is to allow people to come on and tell their story and to share their perspective from when, where they're coming from. And so I was delighted to be able to have Sev on the program to share where he's really coming from. If you were one of those listeners of Tunnel Rats or Deep Space Five, you might be surprised. You know, he, he basically has a very uh, firm perspective of the world. And, and he shares that openly and honestly. And while he is respectful, um, he says some things that, you know, for me and Nomadic as committed Christians, we just simply can't agree with. Uh, I'll give you just one example of something I didn't touch on, but I think there's a really good explanation. The objection is, well, why are there so many white paintings of Jesus? So for, for one thing, it's not whether or not there happen to be people who paint certain pictures that determine what my understanding of Jesus Christ is. So the first thing we have to do to have this conversation is number one, presuppose that there is a Jesus to even have a discussion about. And while I don't have time to go into it here today, the reality is that no serious scholar challenges the existence of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is one of the most historically attested to figures in all of history, uh, even more so than Plato or Aristotle. In fact, we even mentioned later in the interview that Socrates is even a debated figure in history. People are willing to question all sorts of uh, figures in history, but Jesus himself is much more well attested to. So we must start for this conversation about the white Jesus pictures, we must start with the fact that there is even a Jesus to depict. And if there's a Jesus to depict, then we have to ask where he was from. And he was from first century Palestine. He was from Nazareth. He was a Jewish person. He was Hebrew. Uh, his fellow countrymen would have recognized him as a fellow Hebrew. He didn't look Russian. He didn't look German. He didn't look Japanese. He didn't look West African. He looked like a Palestinian Jew in the first century. So that's what we should expect him to look like if we're dealing with photographs. However, in the history of Christianity, there has always been depictions of holy people and holy figures. And those figures were depicted often out of their original context and in such a way that they would be understood in the context in which they were painted. So they get contextualized a little bit. Um, it's very easy to verify this. Google Ethiopian Orthodox icon Jesus. Do the same thing. Um, you, you can go Japanese icon Jesus. And what you will see is you'll see an artistic depiction of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ as a, a, a person with characteristics like the people who are going to see that image in their church. It gets contextualized. So I know it's a little confusing because, you know, our culture, at least American culture, there's a lot of, you know, flannel graph Jesus from your Southern Baptist Sunday school or your non-denominational church or whatever. And again, it's it's kind of a contextualization. You, you might see a cartoon Jesus. Nobody's saying Jesus was a cartoon. You know, if Jesus is depicted on The Simpsons as yellow, that doesn't mean he's yellow. Jesus 
is contextualized to the experience of Christians from around the world. You know, most Christians took a Middle Eastern peasant Hebrew and they made him look a little bit more like him themselves because iconography has never been about photography. If you were to come to my church and look around, you would see all sorts of depictions that were not intended to be literal, exact, precise depictions. They're, they're depictions that convey something that may be historical, but it also conveys something spiritual that goes beyond it. So I just wanted to clear that up. There, there are actually really good uh, rabbit trails that we could have gone down, but we were here primarily to hear Sev's story and where he is in his journey. Follow us on Instagram at Beards. B-R-E-W-S B-E-A-R-D-S Once again, I just want to say thank you to Sev Static for being on our show and sharing his perspectives. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in.